One thing that works really well for a lot of businesses right now, um, especially the SaaS, uh, the SaaS business or in, in, in the B2B enterprise business, are topic clusters. Atomic clusters are basically sets of pages or articles that revolve around a certain topic. And they only link to each other and they cover all the relevant questions for that specific topic. And so you create a cluster, a, a group of pages that are only targeting one specific topic, but go very in depth and, and link between each other. And that has shown to be very successful. Do you want to impact the world and still turn a profit? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to Growth Everywhere. This is the show where you'll find real conversations with real entrepreneurs. They'll share everything from their biggest struggle to the exact strategies they use on a daily basis. So if you're ready for a value-packed interview, listen on. Here's your host, Eric Sue. Before we jump into today's interview, if you guys could leave a review and a rating and also subscribe as well, that would be a huge help to the podcast. So if you actually enjoy the content and you'd like to hear more of it, please support us by leaving us a review and subscribe to the podcast as well. Thanks so much. Okay, everyone. Today we have Kevin Indig, who is the SEO manager over there at Atlassian, which makes awesome products such as Trello, HipChat, uh, I don't know, Confluence, Jira, a lot of other stuff that a bunch of people use. So Kevin, how's it going? Eric, it's a pleasure to be on. I'm doing really well. How are you? Doing well. So today the episode is going to be a little different for you all that's listening. We are going to jump around and talk more around kind of SEO and growth marketing. So if that stuff interests you in terms of growing your business, that's the stuff that I love. That's why I do the Marketing School podcast. Well, this is the episode for you. So Kevin, why don't you give us a little background on kind of just who you are and, and what you do in general? Yeah, sure. So uh, I run SEO here at Atlassian. Uh, you already gave a perfect introduction to the company. More people know our products than the actual brands, me included, back before I joined. Um, but I'm also a mentor at a startup accelerator, which is the German accelerator. And I mentor startups predominantly in terms of growth marketing. Great. Okay. And how, I mean, what was your journey to, you know, around growth marketing, SEO in general? Like, where were you before? And just kind of give us a little background on, on you know, kind of some big wins that you got during your journey. Man, how much time do you have? <laughs> so I'm trying to keep it relatively brief. Um, so I was born and raised in Germany. I started my journey in growth marketing with SEO relatively very, very technical, actually. It's Germans are all engineers. Uh, so I uh, started more on the technical side of things and um, had the uh, huge luck to start out in enterprise consulting. So I was uh, working for an online marketing consultancy that uh, had predominantly big, big enterprises as clients. And I learned the craft of technical SEO relatively quickly. But then along that journey, uh, I also stumbled into other parts of online marketing. So um very, like uh, stuff like uh, PPC uh, or paid search quickly came on, on my radar as well. And then there were just, you know, after time, different ex uh, there was exposure to different disciplines. And then um, 
when I came here to the U.S. about five years ago, starting in the heart of Silicon Valley, I, I was very, very quickly exposed to uh, growth marketing and the, you know, the the different way to go about marketing here in general. And so that's when I started to consult with uh, startups here and there, which you know got stronger over time. And then I I really on the job learned what growth marketing is all about and how to do it right. Great. What do you consider to be your most impressive growth marketing win in your career to date? And the more specific you can be with metrics, the better. Yeah, sure. So a couple of things come to mind. There was one big project that I was uh, consulting eBay on that was revolving around restructuring their sites and basically adding a content or scaling up content really for eBay on their uh, category pages. And that had, a, that had a huge effect on their SEO, but also on the user experience in general. And I think the two cannot really be separated that much. And so I think a lot of factors, and we can dive a little deeper into that if you like, a lot of factors or a lot of things that you do in SEO are also very helpful for user experience in other parts of the business. Did something, I was involved in something very similar for Pinterest, but it was not the same content format. It was more a way to, to create more explore pages for different topics. And that was basically, so I cannot go all that deep into the specifics, but what we basically did is we scraped different large sites on the web to find new topics that Pinterest could be relevant for. Yeah, so what I'm hearing is as a site gets larger, this is bigger impact. When you have a larger site, SEO kind of becomes CRO. They kind of interweave with each other. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, absolutely. SEO is actually a very interesting channel for growth marketing. I think it's mostly looked at as a user acquisition channel, which I would agree with. It's nice to scale uh, if you're a marketplace, especially or user-generated focused business. Um, it just takes a little while to ramp up. But then it can also be a retention channel. I think that's where it's very often overlooked. So uh, when you do SEO right, usually structured around a good user experience and that has a has a direct impact on the retention now it can it can manifest itself in things like creating content around thought leadership content creating content around purchase intent use cases but it can also revolve around creating content for uh, customer support or like knowledge bases uh, those kind of things that help people to better understand the product or the use cases of the product or the challenges and that directly contributes to retention great and so i think maybe you know a lot of people listening to this are maybe just starting out or looking to start out and then you have the people that are very advanced and have very large sites with with a ton of traffic like atlassian for example but if if you were to kind of paint a kind of broader picture on what's working today in terms of SEO or growth marketing, perhaps some tactical things that that are maybe some things you discovered in the last year or so, uh, that'd be helpful. You have anything on your plate? Yeah, totally. So I think right now the big kind of buzz already for, for years is around content. And I think we all know that, that content is important, content marketing works, and that you, know, you should really focus on that. But what's often overlooked are the technical aspects. And those aspects and the benefits of them scale with the size of the site. So the bigger the site, the more important technical SEO becomes. And a couple of things that you can do uh, that, are, that are tactical is to, for example, look at your log files to understand how Google crawls your site. And that will very quickly give you an idea of if there are certain page templates or certain parts of a site that Google does not crawl very often or very well. And that's can lead you to a, system, a systemic issue that your site has. 
Another thing that's very often overlooked is internal linking. Uh, we know that you should, when you write an article, you should link to other articles as well. But you can you can go way deeper. So one thing that works really well for a lot of businesses right now, um, especially in the SaaS uh, the SaaS business or in in the B two B enterprise business, are topic clusters. And topic clusters are basically sets of pages or articles that revolve around a certain topic and they only link to each other and they cover all the relevant questions for that specific topic. And so you create a cluster, a group of pages that are only targeting one specific topic, but go very in depth and and link between each other. And that has shown to be very successful. Yeah, so I I call this the the hub and spoke model. It's it's really whatever you want to call it. Uh, I think there's some yeah. So there's the hub and spoke. You can call it topic clusters. But if you Google the keyword online marketing, you're going to see Neil ranks number one and number two for that. Neil Patel and he, perfect example of that the guy spent thirty thousand dollars designing and and you know having a, a really nice guide written and it's just like twelve chapters, really well done. That's kind of what you're talking about, right? Yeah, absolutely. And say you want to go even more tactical, you could take a a scraping or a crawler tool like Screaming Frog and you can you can crawl through your whole site. And then you can export all the 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 anchor text from your internal links. And then you can map them to URLs and you can see, hey, the the topic clusters that I created, do they really use relevant anchor text to link to each other or am I being inconsistent somewhere? Uh, so creating a map from the internal links with a, a crawler like ScreenCrawl, for example, can really help you to quantify your efforts with topic clusters or hub and spoke models. Interesting. Okay. Wait, okay, so so you're using Screaming Frog and then you are, sorry, just to backtrack a little bit, you're using Screaming Frog to do what again? Exactly. So Screaming Frog to crawl your site, you know, you basically want to e- extract all the, you know, lots of different attributes from your pages and URLs. And one of these attributes uh, are the internal anchor text. So you want to see what link what link text am I using to 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 link between my pages, and then you can you can model that back to the URLs. So you can say, okay, what are all the the anchor text that are internally used to link to one URL? And you can say, okay, that URL is about a specific topic or a subtopic, and you can see if your internal links are consistent with that subtopic. And if they fit into the hub and spoke or into the hub or into the topic cluster, whatever uh, terminology you want to use. And so you can uncover those inconsistencies and improve that. Right. Okay. So you're saying, you know, maybe maybe the, the anchor texts aren't as they're not as ideal as they should be. And then using Screaming Frog, you can basically get an inventory of what you have and then improve on that. Is that correct? Exactly. You can even take it a step further. So you can then you can take your backlinks, meaning the the links from other sites to your site. And you can see, hey, are those consistent with the internal anchor text or do I, for example, have a good backlink to my homepage that would actually much better fit to a topic cluster or to a subpage, right? Right. Then you can align that. You can then reach out to that site and be like, "Hey, you know what? Uh, you gave me this backlink a year ago, but now I created a, a a whole article or a page about just that topic, which would be okay changing that backlink to the to the subpage." And that's how you can, uh, you know, over time, basically refine your internal and external link profile. 
Awesome. Do you have any topic clusters off the top of your head that I can search maybe for, you know, at last year or something like that? Is there something we can Google? Uh, yeah, uh, we have a, a whole a huge topic cluster around Git. Okay. So when you when you Google any terminology around Git, G-I-T, you should you should find a lot of content for us. But same for Agile and a couple other topics. So I, I got this one right now. So I, I just searched Git literally and you guys, uh, you know, we're, you guys are on the first page and it says, uh, what is Git? And I'm looking at it right now. My God, this is it's really well designed too. And it starts with the, this kind of hub page, uh, the overview page here, and then it goes down performance. You look at security, and then getting started and all that. So a guide like this, it looks like maybe there are 16, 20 plus pieces of content tied here. How long did it take you to write all the content? How long did it take you to finish designing? Just all in all, in all how long does this project take? Oh man, uh, th- this is this has been there for quite some time, and we're constantly reiterating that. Um, so we're we're we just went through a redesign. I would say half a year ago, maybe eight months ago. We're constantly adding new articles, and this is another important SEO factor: is the is freshness, and it's it's a lot of terms. So there there are two ways that freshness exists. There's actually a an algorithm that's called QDF that Google uses which stands for query deserves freshness. So what that means is that when you Google Trump right now, you will see very different search results than when you would have Googled Trump 10 years ago. Uh, And that's because now there's a lot of freshness around the query or the keyword Trump. It's because there's a lot of news out there and a lot of things happening. However, there's another way to use the word freshness. And the, the, the second way is really on keeping content updated or up to date, and that's what I mean by that. So we we make sure that you know our topic clusters. Um, we also call them microsites. Another to throw another terminology in the mix. Uh, we make sure that they're constantly up to date, especially in in technical topics or project management topics. That those are those are evolving fast, right? There's new stuff coming out uh, almost every month, and so we we want to make sure that our topic clusters are as up to date as possible. Okay. And and so, how long does it take you to typically finish one of these topic clusters, start to finish? It's a matter of a couple of months, man. Um, we usually blow these up relatively big. We have we give them their own design, so I want to make sure there's a good user experience, and we have subject matter experts who create that content. So we don't just want to be, you know, another site that is not actually an expert in a topic and just tries to learn the topic and then write something together. We actually bring in industry experts who who know this from from the ground up great okay so how do you i mean how much are you guys typically spending ballpark on on you know something like this oh man that's that's really hard to say um it can it's definitely a couple of thousands um simply because we have you know uh people we pay people to write content we have designers so it really depends on how you define the cost you know if you would take on top the the internal resources and hours that it takes uh, definitely a couple of thousands if not more yeah, I, I mean it's it's you know this is really well done. I, I mean I, everyone should Google Git G I T and then look at what Atlassian has. Uh, it is on the first page again. Take a look at that, and you know probably people are, are are wondering as well. Like, well, if I'm getting started out, maybe if I have partners or maybe I'm reporting to a boss, for example, how do I justify spending the time and resources on something like this? Like, what's the ROI? Yeah, that's a fantastic question, man. Because I believe that the ROI is underestimated. So what you have to take into account is that this thing doesn't only rank for Git, it ranks for a whole slew of 
other keywords, and there's the long tail as well. So we have a couple of shorthead keywords, stuff like, uh, you know, Git, what is Git? Um, then we have keywords like uh, Git bash, Git rebash, uh, Git commands, you know, all these different things that people are looking for, which we also explain. But then there are also the questions that people have, like how do I use uh, Git rebash or uh, what are Git trees and so on. Those we rank for as well, and usually with feature snippets, which are prominent answers on the top of the search results, which bring in a lot of traffic. And then there's a whole lot of other um, uh, long tail queries and, and, and keywords that, that people are looking for. Now, some of our pages in the topic clusters rank for hundreds, sometimes thousands of keywords. And that is something that's a little difficult to predict in the beginning. But usually when you try to, to calculate ROI and try to uh, write a number behind the spending that you put in, um, there's always a little overhead that you cannot predict uh, that comes on top of that. And that's usually very attractive. So at the same time, it really depends on your business and, and your monetization model, right? I mean, if, if you're an ad, for an ad-based business, it's a, it's a very different calculation than for a service-based uh, business or a SaaS business. Right. And what is your guy's goal with this? Is it collecting emails? Is it long-term organic traffic? Like, what is it exactly? There are a couple of things that we look at and that, that we set out as goals. It is definitely part of our uh, thought leadership efforts, as, uh, as cheesy as it sounds. But we do, we do see direct signups from that microsite to Bitbucket, which is uh, the product that's the, clo- the, the, most, the, the closest to that topic. So... Um, it depends on the attribution model as well, right? So if you, if you look at first touch versus last touch, we would see less signups from this microsite from, from a last touch attribution, but way more from an FTA, from a first touch attribution. What that means is that along the journey, along the user journey, people discover this uh, topic cluster, this Git topic cluster, and they don't immediately sign up, but they, they first finish their journey. And then at the, you know, at some point later, they come to Bitbucket and then they sign up. And so this is something we pay close uh, attention to. Right. But we do see direct, um, a direct relationship between that thought leadership topic cluster and hard business signups. Great. And what are you guys using for multi-touch attribution right now? really depends uh, also across the products. Um, so we, we, we usually look at three different attribution models, uh, first touch, last touch, linear touch, and they all have up and down sides. Um, but the, the, the reason for why we do that is because it gives us the best perspective on what's actually going on and what the value of every page is. Okay. And so, I mean, if you had to try to quantify one of your best, you know, topic clusters, I'm just trying to get kind of, you know, numbers people can, uh, people like numbers, right? They like results at the end of the day. Like Neil spent this, you know, he got a number one uh, ranking, for example. But for you guys, you can say, I wrote this topic cluster, you know, we, we ended up getting, you know, uh, a million visits from it or something like that. Is there anything you kind of speak to in terms of results with topic clusters? Yeah, I can give you a high-level uh, number. So I would say for for all the topic clusters, we're we're definitely seeing um, six to seven-figure uh, traffic numbers across the year. Great. There you go, guys. That's what topic clusters can bring. And I, I, I mean, I want to touch upon the, the QDF you talked about earlier. Query deserves freshness. So do you guys have some kind of framework that you follow around that? Because I can tell you that for some of our posts that we've we've updated over time, 
what we had, you know, obviously we're not talking six figures traffic, but for a smaller website, uh, for one blog post we had, it originally was getting about 700 visits a month. We updated it, jumped up to 2,800 visits a month, updated again, jumped up to 4,000, updated again, jumped up to uh, 8,000 visits a month. So what do you guys do around that? What kind of framework do you guys use? Yeah, we actually, um, we edit and update our articles quite a lot. And we also see um, big, big, uptakes in traffic. And so in most cases, we just look at, hey, is, we, we, we straightforward go to Search Console and we look at an article and we're like, hey, this is year old. Uh, has Google tried to rank it for any other keywords? So what you can do is you can filter your Search Console for an article and um, you then look at the impressions. So you sort that table in Search Console after impressions and that gives you an idea what other keywords or queries Google had, has tried to rank this page for. And if you if you find a query or a keyword that's closely related but has more search volume or more impressions, then we tweak the article or the piece of content towards that specific query and uh, usually get lots more traffic from that. Great. And how often are you doing that? On an ongoing basis, really. Uh, I mean, content here at Avastin is created from lots of different people, and we have a we have a whole team for SEO. So, um, depend where this is a joint effort, pretty much. Okay, great. So, j- just to recap on that, you guys are looking at Search Console, maybe you know the the pages out there that have a have a high impression count, but maybe could use a little love on the click through rate side of things. Is that how it works? And then you guys go in there and update things. Yeah, that that's another way to to go about it that we regularly uh, use. Uh, and that's also something that we constantly have to refine on, right? It's, it's actually very interesting, especially when you look at highly competitive keywords and you look at the search results. There's almost a little war going on where you see that other companies are trying to tweak their meta titles, for example, or their, their meta descriptions or whatever to get more clicks. And then you see other other companies react to that and then you react to that. And then a, month, a couple of months later, you change it again because there's a different value proposition that's being communicated in the title that suddenly attracts more clicks. So that's actually a very interesting game. We, we try to pay as much attention to that as possible. Interesting. So how, how do you keep track of all that? I mean, it sounds like, uh, you know, getting tracking competitors all the time can get exhausting. <laughs> yeah, it, it totally can. So we distinguish between... We have, a, we have a set of core keywords or core queries. Those are really the most important ones for us and for our business. And then we have another set of keywords that we look at on a much, much lower frequency. So for these core keywords or core queries, we, we, we try to look at you know their changes in, in uh, click-through rate and, and clicks and impressions on a weekly basis. And then for all these other keywords, we try to look at them as, as often as possible. Great. Okay. What else excites you about growth today? I mean, what, what else can you speak to that, that you think would be helpful to the audience around growth or SEO? Man, there's lots of things that excite me. Um, one thing that we can uh, pick up that's a bit more SEO related is um, the whole uh, is the is the way to identify QDF. So one question that I came across and asked myself is, how do you notice when your query that you rank for suddenly deserves freshness or not. 
And so I, I very recently published this article about uh, identifying user intent on scale. It's called um, identifying uh, or user intent mapping on steroids. And the idea is that you look at SERP features. So you look at Google features in the search results to reverse engineer what the user intent is, right? So for example, if you have a feature snippet, um, the chance is very likely that that there is a so-called no simple user intent behind it. And that, that, that wording comes from Google. It's not, it's not my invention. But basically, when you whenever you see a feature snippet in the search result, you know that people are looking for a very simple answer. There's a simple question. There's a simple answer, like how many days are in a year? And so when you use that idea of that reverse engineering approach, you can, you can apply that to lots of different ways. And one of them is QDF. So we know, for example, that when a query deserves freshness, Google will show a Google News integration. So you can take all your keywords and you punch them in a, in a rank tracker tool like SEMrush or Ahrefs or search metrics or whatever have you. And you look at all of those that suddenly show Google News integration, and then you know they, they suddenly deserve freshness. Then you can go back and you can you can update your content to make sure that Google takes that into account. And you can apply that again to yeah, you can apply that to many many different uh, ways and things. Interesting. And so you you mentioned earlier. I mean, a lot of the stuff you guys do is ongoing, such as you know uh, you know repurposing, updating content, and then in this case you're you're identifying kind of query deserve freshness keywords. Uh, how often do you do this? On a weekly basis, we we try to do it. I mean, uh, again, it really depends on on a couple of different factors. Um, but we our goal is to do this on a weekly basis. Got it. Yeah, I'm just looking through Ahrefs right now on the um, for specific keywords, and then I, I encourage. I mean, Ahrefs is is my one of my favorite SEO tools. So, which I, I know like with, like with Ahrefs, when you track your keywords, uh, there's this column that says SERP features. Which is the one that is for for uh, news? What does that icon look like? I'm looking at it right now. Let's see. Top stories. Is that what it is? Yeah. Oh, there you go. See. You, okay. See. Like, this is getting me excited. Sorry for the for the background noise. By the way. No, you're you're good. You're good. Um, so, like, I'm looking at mine right now. Like, I, I rank for influencer marketing, right? It's it's it's. I have a top stories pack and all this other stuff in the SERP feature. So, you know, whether you're using S uh, or SEMrush or using Ahrefs, go in there and look at. It. I think that's 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 gold right there. Um, is there is there any other tactical nugget you want to maybe one more nugget you want to share with people? Yeah. Uh, by the way, yes, it is top stories. I see it for. Uh, I just checked the SERP. It is called top stories. Um, another technical nugget that I can share with the users. Um, let me just think through a couple of things. So this uh, user intent mapping um, that that has shown to be really helpful, and a lot of people really liked it. And you can you can do that on scale, which is the nice thing about it. And you can compare it over time, so you can see, uh, you know, you can you can notice changes and then accordingly uh, react to that. How are you tracking the? How are you tracking the? Like you know the, the the before and after. Like you're running these experiments, right? Are you just annotating in Google Analytics after you make a change for a specific page? Yeah, usually it's that, and then we we also um, I mean we have uh, one of our products Confluence, which we use very heavily, and it's like a it's like a wiki. Uh, so we document a ton in that, and then we regularly export data on a monthly basis, and then we just do a before and after checkup. Awesome. Okay, great, man. Well, I mean, in terms of marketing, how are you? I guess how are you getting better? I mean, what are the things that you read? What are podcasts that you listen to to improve yourself as a growth marketer slash SEO? Yeah, it's funny that you asked that because actually I I consume lots of 
actual content around uh, data analysis, design thinking, engineering thinking, and then yeah, growth marketing stuff. I don't, I, I do read some SEO stuff from time to time, but I, I really spend way more in growth marketing because I feel like that expands my horizon much better and yeah, and then helps me to better, you know, you just discover much. Growth marketing is a very, very data-driven discipline. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of people mistake it for what you find in the search results for growth hacking. So anyway, uh, that really helped me to, to step up my SEO game. Um, and then, yeah, in terms of content that I that I consume, uh, I love Ben Thompson's Stratechery. Uh, I think, yeah, it's it's hard to, to get around nowadays. It's actually not... It's not a marketing uh, blog, uh, and also his podcast ex- exponent is not it's not a marketing thing. It's it's about tech um, and uh, business analysis, but it's just, it's just very eye opening to see how big tech companies move and and, and, and how they how they develop over time. Um, and then yeah, I follow. Um, of course, I read everything from uh, Casey Winters, from uh, Matthew Barbie, uh, from um, Justin Briggs is a great SEO. Anyway. Um, what else am I consuming? I have a I have a whole feed reader. Um, I actually consume a lot of content and I curate that in a, in a newsletter that I send out every week. That that kind of keeps me up to date and, and forces me to to look at things. And how do people find your how do people find your newsletter? Yeah, sure. You can just simply Google Tech Bound, or you can go to to Kevin uh, and advertise it there. No pop ups though, uh, but it should be relatively easy to find. Okay, awesome. And what's one must-read book you'd recommend to everyone? Uh, Zero to One, Peter Thiel. Definitely eye-opening in a couple of ways. It's not only the, the the knowledge that he puts out, but the critical thinking. I've, I've gotten really bullish about that. The critical thinking, the questioning things, the taking different angles and perspectives, to reason back to first principles, to validate your assumptions. You know what I mean? That That really, really, really comes across in that book, and that's why I love it. Love it. You know what? I, I'm I'm on your site right now. I can't subscribe. I, there's an email form. I can't subscribe to it right now. I really want to subscribe to your weekly email, but uh, I can't do it. <laughs> You're kidding? What? Yeah, there there's a there there's my value for for this this meeting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, hope. I mean, you know, t- techbound. I'll, I'll you know looks good. Everything's is well done there. And then, what is one must read tool you'd recommend everyone? We talked about Samrush. We talked about Ahrefs. But is there anything that you've added in the last year that's added a lot of value? And it doesn't have to necessarily be like an app. It could be like a Peloton bike, for example. One one gadget or one thing that I've uh, really been starting to use. So um, there are a couple of technical tools that I really love uh, from an SEO standpoint of view. Uh, Bodyfy, Deepcrawl, really helpful. There's a new crawler called uh, Sitebulb that I also find very interesting. What I have gotten to use a lot more is the Chrome and Firefox uh, developer console. Uh, especially in Chrome, you find a, an auditing tool that's called Lighthouse coming come right from Google, and it, it contains a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of valuable information. So I think if I had to decide, it's, it's, decide it's probably the, the developer tools. Awesome. Well, Kevin, this has been great. I know you mentioned your site. You can mention it again if you want. But uh, what's the best way for people to find you online? Yeah, uh, so I'm using my my actual name everywhere and on my website. So that's Kevin Indig, I-N-D-I-G. And my site is uh, kevin-indig.com. The newsletter is called TechBot. Awesome. Kevin, thanks so much for doing this. Eric, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Growth Everywhere. If you loved what you heard, be sure to head back to growtheverywhere.com for today's show notes and a ton of additional resources. But before you go, hit the subscribe button to avoid missing out on next week's value-packed interview. Enjoy the rest of your week and remember to take action and continue growing.